Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is your host, Dan Kramer. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about me or this podcast, just go to thethinkingchristian.us. That will take you to my website. Uh, There you can uh, listen to all previously released podcasts. You can interact with them. You could leave a comment if you'd like. You can also subscribe to the podcast right from the website. Put in your name, your email address, hit the subscribe button. And when a new release is made, you'll get noticed. Uh, You'll get noticed, yeah. You'll get a notification in your email box. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast from Google Play, uh, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or just simply download your favorite podcasting app, and there you can um, uh, do a search for the Thinking Christian Podcast and subscribe right from there. That way, when a new show is released, you'll be the first to get it. (laughs) Won't that be grand? All right, well, let's get into today's uh, uh, topic. Um, This question was asked, I think I heard it twice this past week, and that is, uh, is the coronavirus an indicator that we are in the end times? And I think that's how that was phrased or something like that. In other words, is is the coronavirus an indicator that Jesus is about to return to earth? And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, if you're um, not a Christian, uh, you may or may not know that Christians have uh, a belief that Jesus is going to return. Uh, he left his um, church physically um, 2,000 years ago, something like that. Um, the Holy Spirit has been given to the church, but one day Jesus is going to return. Uh, this is commonly seen as Judgment Day, in which Jesus will judge the righteous and the wicked. And um, so that's what we talk about when we talk about Jesus' return. We do believe that he will physically and literally return to earth. I I guess there are some pockets of Christians who don't believe that. But for the most part, I, I think all Christians agree that Jesus is going to return one day. Now, there's a passage that I think this question that uh, of Jesus' return comes from. I don't really, I can't put my myself in the mind of the person who asked it, but this is what I think they were referring to. In Matthew chapter 24, it's in verse 7, and this is Jesus speaking. He said, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these at the beginning of sorrows. Now, that was Jesus speaking in what we call the Olivet Discourse. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But the word pestilence, now, incidentally, um, there are some ancient manuscripts of Matthew 24 that don't include the word pestilences. Um, but in, in the parallel account in Luke 21, the word is found in all manuscripts. And so I believe Jesus did use the word. I just want to kind of address that before we move on. But Matthew chapter 24 is what we call the Olivet Discourse. And in there, he made some predictions about some things that were going to happen. And uh, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that's where this question comes from. But let me first set the stage for you. Matthew chapter 24 begins as Jesus was leaving the temple. Matthew 24, excuse me, the previous chapter, 23, he's in the temple. Things got heated with him and, and the Pharisees there. And he's leaving in chapter 24. And as he's leaving the temple... His disciples kind of pull his shirt sleeve and say, hey, look, look at this temple. Look how marvelous it is. I mean, they were just amazed. And this, this temple had to have been an amazing sight. It was, it was spectacular. It probably didn't rival Solomon's original temple, but it certainly was a spectacular feat to, to build this incredible temple. And the disciples were just kind of pointed out to Jesus and, and marveling at it. And Jesus says something extremely pu- uh, peculiar in verse 2. He says, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, 
I, having heard that, I think the disciples were somewhat stunned. As a matter of fact, the next verse, it says, Now as they sat on the Mount of Olives, so this is a different scene. They apparently left the city of Jerusalem out to the hillside beside it, uh, uh, Mount of Olive Trees, where Jesus, I think, retreated to often. And we read there that some of the disciples, and in fact, in Mark's version, we know there are four, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, come to Jesus rather privately. And I, you can tell it just really upset them, what Jesus said. Uh, when Jesus said this temple will be, won't be left standing, every stone will be taken off. I mean, I think, I think really they understood the implications of that. And that could mean only one thing, and that was war, um, for, for each stone to be dismantled at the temple. Uh, they knew something big was going to happen. And I, I think it really bothered them because the temple is really the center of the Jewish life. Uh, that's where sacrifices were made. That's where worship took place. That's where prayers were offered. And so the temple was, was crucial to the, to the Jewish way of life. And to even think that the temple might be torn down, I think it's just beyond upsetting to the Jews. And so the, these disciples came to Jesus privately. And they asked him, in, in Matthew's version, they asked him a, a couple of questions. They said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Now, when it says, when will these things be, these things must be referring to the things that Jesus just said. He said how the, the temple will be destroyed. It'll be dismantled stone by stone. It'll be taken down. And so they ask him, when will this be? And what will be the sign of your coming? Now, the word coming there, um, it's interesting. I think a lot of times Christians read into that, that, that this is the second coming. But I don't think that's what they mean. Um, because they're not even convinced Jesus is leaving the first time, let alone coming back later. Um, you know, Jesus had, hadn't been arrested yet, and he'd already indicated a few times that he was going to die, and they just didn't believe him, or they just couldn't get their minds wrapped around it. So I don't even think they know anything about what you and I might call the second coming. Rather, the sign of your coming, I think, was a an Old Testament way of talking about judgment. In um, Isaiah 19, I think it is verse 1, um, uh, the uh, Lord is said to be coming uh, on a swift cloud into Egypt, um, and that means judgment. God was going to judge uh, Egypt, and to, to come like that is often a reference to coming in judgment. And um, so I, I think, I think, I think, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's probably what the question was. And when they say the end of the age... Um, I think they would recognize that the temple being destroyed would be the end of an age. It would be the end of a, an era. And so they're asking him, when will this be and what will be the sign? Now, Jesus, I, I believe, answers both of those questions um, in reverse order. He first begins to talk about signs. Now, in verse 6, he said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. He said, but see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So there are some signs that could happen, but Jesus said, no, it's not that. It's not that. A nation will rise against nation, kingdom against king, kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. All these are the beginnings of sorrow. So it seems to suggest that if you hear about those things, it's just beginning. Um, then he talked about how they would be uh, persecuted, they, the disciples, I believe. Uh, they, would, they would betray one another, not, not the group of disciples, but um, families would, would betray family members. Uh, the love of many would wax cold. Um, he talked about just some really, really harsh things that were going to happen. And um, as he talks about all of these things, I want to kind of jump to the verse 33. He says, so you also, when you see all these things, and all these things, I think it's the things that he was just talking about, know that it is near. 
at the doors. It must be the the destruction of the temple. Assuredly, I say to you, verse 34, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And that is the answer to when. Remember, they ask him two questions. When will these things be? And what will be the sign? And Jesus begins to talk about signs. He began to talk about um, things in the heavens that were going to happen. Um, there was just some, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to say uh, strange things, but because if you're familiar with the Old Testament prophets, you would find out a lot of these things aren't really strange in terms of their descriptions. But he talks about some things that were going to happen. And then after that, he tells them when. Verse 34, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, I think the obvious way to take that is that Jesus was saying these things will take place. These things will take place before you pass away. This generation passes away. I mean, that is the most common way of understanding it. However, I know that many people have have kind of tried to twist that around to say, well, Jesus was really talking about the Jewish people, that the Jewish people would not perish before all these things happen. But I I think that's a very strange reading of the phrase, uh, this generation, because Jesus used that phrase about five times, this generation. He used it about five times in the New Testament. And every time that he used it, he was always referring to this generation, the people around him, his contemporaries. And so here in verse 34, I see no reason to suspect it any differently, that Jesus said this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And so he gave them an answer that the things that he just described would take place before that generation would pass away. Now, I guess the next question would have to say, well, what was he referring to then? Well, I think he was referring to exactly what the disciples asked him, and that was the destruction of the temple. Uh, that's how this whole conversation started out. They were shown in the temple when he said, hey, not one stone will be left upon another. They asked when? He said, before this generation passes away. And uh, did that happen? Well, actually it did. Um, I think in about 66, 67 AD, I'm not sure when it was exactly, um, a, a rebellion um, by the Jews against Rome began. There were some small, smaller skirmishes. And I think the, the Jews really started to enjoy some small victories. Uh, of course, they just hated and despised the fact that the Romans were in modern-day Palestine, their territory, and they really wanted to oust the Romans. And um, so they started picking a fight with the Romans, which was wrong thing to do. And um, eventually the Caesar sent down, uh, I think it was um, General Titus, um, I'm suddenly forgetting my history all, all of a sudden here. I can't remember. I think that was his name. But sent a general down um, with an army. And as they marched south through modern-day Palestine uh, towards Jerusalem, which is in the south, uh, they practiced sort of a raised earth kind of policy. They burnt uh, villages and synagogues and captured people. There was much bloodshed as they moved south towards Jerusalem. And eventually uh, they laid siege of Jerusalem. They circled it. And they uh, blocked it off, and things got really, really crazy. I have a book in my library called uh, The Wars of the Jews by Josephus. He was a Jewish historian, a contemporary. He actually witnessed the events, and um, he wrote about them. And I'll tell you what, it is bizarre to read some of the, the crazy things that were happening. But what's interesting is as you read the stuff that was happening, you find out that 
a lot of these things is exactly what Jesus promised would happen. He told them this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 24, he says, therefore, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, some might think, well, I don't know what that means. Well, fortunately, um, we have another passage of Scripture, and it's in Luke chapter 21. And I think Luke chapter 21 really helps us understand that. If you go to uh, verse 20 of Luke 21, he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. And uh, that's the parallel verse to the Matthew chapter 21 uh, verse. And so, excuse me, Matthew 24. So Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you know the time's up. I mean, it's it. That's it. And, and that actually happened in 70 AD. Um, when the Romans marched against uh, Jerusalem, they set up a barricade around the city and eventually broke through the walls after holding it under siege for several months. And it was chaos inside. It was mass slaughter. It had to have been a horrible, horrible thing that went on in there. And in fact, the temple was destroyed. Uh, the Romans, uh, I, I think I read that they uh, set the temple on fire to try to melt the gold. Um, and the, the gold would, would um, flow down between the rocks. And so they dismantled the rocks just to get to the gold that had you know, turned to liquid and, and cooled in later. So they, were, they literally took the temple stone by stone apart, exactly what Jesus described was going to happen, that the temple would be destroyed. And it, the last sign was it, was that it was surrounded by armies. And so as I see it, this Matthew chapter 24 passage really doesn't have anything to do with what you and I might call the end times. Well, let, let me take that back. Um, there is there is a section in, later in the chapter which I'm a little unsure of. I, 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 starting with around verse um, uh, 35, 36-ish, uh, and 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And then Jesus, he, he could be describing here what you and I know as the second coming. It's, it's not really clear to me. Uh, I don't want to go out on a limb too far and say that it's not. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen to any kind of argument about that passage. But certainly up until that passage, up until verse 34, I see Jesus clearly talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. And if you read Josephus' history, actually, if you read just the book of Acts, you will find some of these things, such as the famines and things like that, already taking place um, quite early on uh, before the destruction of the temple. And I see really no reason to apply it to anything else because Jesus said it would happen uh, in that generation's lifetime, and it did. So let me kind of get back to the question at hand, and that is, is the coronavirus an indicator that we are in the end times? Um, I, I'm not a prophet. I, I don't claim to be a prophet. I'm not. I, I know that I'm not a prophet. I, I just, I'm a Bible kind of guy. I like to read the Bible and try to understand it. Um, and I can't make, and I will not make any kind of predictions. But as I read the scripture, I see no good reason to think that the coronavirus or really any kind of sickness that's going around right now or any time in the near future is an indicator that Jesus is going to return soon because I can't find it in the Bible. You know, I think probably every single generation from the time that Jesus left until now was expecting to be the generation that saw his return. Um, even in, in the book of Thessalonians, um, Paul 
uh, has to address the people because some of them apparently have quit their jobs. Uh, they've, they've kind of, they thought, well, Jesus is going to return any moment now. He's going to return. Why should we work? And, and Paul has to encourage them to, you know, get back to work because, uh, in fact, he goes on in, in, um, in one of the letters, one of the chapters, I think it's chapter four, first Thessalonians. He describes some things that have to happen first. Um, and, I'm saying that because I think every generation of Christians has probably looked at the world around them and said, wow, Jesus will be coming soon. It can't get much worse than this. And every generation that has said that has been wrong. Jesus hasn't returned yet. And um, sometimes it goes from worse back to okay and then back to better and then gets worse again. And, you know, I think here the the church in the West, especially in the United States, um, we haven't seen a lot of horrible things happen to us. We've been insulated for the most part, uh, while the church in the East and the Middle East and um, the Far East, they've, they've really experienced a lot worse than we have. Uh, and I think sometimes to think that Jesus is going to return because it's getting bad almost makes me embarrassed to think, you know, we haven't seen what other Christians have seen or endured through the ages. We've been quite blessed, I think. And so, you know, I'm just not into date setting. I'm so disinterested in... Um, in, no, I'm not disinterested in, the, in Christ's return. I'm just disinterested in no when. I, I just, I, I don't think it's possible for me to care any less than I do now. You know, in Matthew chapter 24, the, the chapter we were reading from, Jesus ends it with a, a little bit of a parable. He said, Who is then the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give him food in due season? Blessed is that servant when his master, whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. You know, a master, you kind of picture a man, he's leaving away and he, he puts his servants in charge of his household while he's gone. And when he comes back, he wants to find them doing what they were in charge to do. Um, verse 48 says, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying this coming, his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of. He will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. You know, I think that that's a good way of just kind of summarizing the whole Matthew 24 and our attitude and what it should be. Our attitude should be we are, we are actively involved in the kingdom and we need to be serving the king because we're part of the kingdom. And sort of get our eyes off the skies, you know, waiting for Christ's return because that doesn't make us productive sometimes. I think we need to be very, very focused on serving our king while he's away and when he does come back i don't want him to find me lazy i don't want him to find me um doing the things that he doesn't approve of and i think one thing that he probably doesn't approve of is to be standing there eyes looking at the sky just waiting and not being active so is the coronavirus an indicator that christ is going to return soon i really really doubt it I think we need to get busy with the kingdom work and just keep our eyes focused on him so that he finds us busy when he does return. And with that, I'm going to sign off another podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hope to see you the next time on the Thinking Christian Podcast.